Turn with me, please. Stand with me, please. In the book of Matthew 24, we're going to read one verse. Hold your place in Matthew 24. And so we do a lot of things like this on Wednesday night, but sometimes the Lord has come in a commanding way this morning and told me what to preach, and I'm going to plow hard and fast. So be ready. Here we go. The Bible says in Matthew 24, verse number 21, shall be great tribulation such as was not, since the beginning of the world to this time, watch this, no, nor ever shall be. What a stark warning from the very lips of our Savior, the one who loved us, the one who died for us, the one who had compassion, the one who has forgiveness, the one who desires to save us. The tender lips of the Savior said that there is coming a time on planet earth like has never ever been or ever will be in the future. There is coming a time on planet earth that is un equaled, unparalleled by anything in the past or in the future. It is unrivaled by anything that man has ever seen or ever will experience. Can I just say this morning from the pulpit, earth's darkest days are yet ahead. They sure are. What put our Lord, you can see the the, the uh, PowerPoint, what put our precious Savior, this loving Savior, what put him in this dark, foreboding, apocalyptic, prophetical, what put him in that dark mood to say, watch out, because here is what's coming. Well, this foreboding revel- revelation that Jesus speaks of here was was spoken from the Mount of Olives as he tells us of this future time on planet earth when there'll be nothing but destruction and fire, nothing like has ever been, nothing like has ever or ever will be. What put him there? And that is this depiction here. It is called the Olivet Discourse. Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him and asked him a threefold question. The event that placed Jesus in this prophetical dark mode is verse number three. Look at me, look at with me, you're in 21, back up to verse number three. The Bible says this is the Olivet Discourse, and that's why it's called this. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately. This is a private teaching here, saying, asking Christ, When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? Look up here at me. I've got those questions on the board. A threefold question. When shall these things be? Jesus was talking and speaking, had had been teaching about the end of the world. And the disciples, their their minds and their curiosity had been lifted up and they, they said, Lord, you know, when are all these things going to take place? Number one. Number two. 
2. The second part of the question was what shall be the sign of thy coming? The third part of the question is and the end of the world. Can I just tell you, friend, the Bible teaches that this world is going to end. It's going to end. You can place all of your material wealth and your, your, all of your material gain and all of your hopes and dreams and desires in this world, but dear friend, it is passing. And there is coming another world. Notice the threefold question. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Look at verse number four. The very first thing that Jesus says in verse number four is this. Take heed that no man deceive you. Now look this way. The very first thing that Jesus said was not wars and rumors of war, stars falling from the sky, earthquakes, famines, pestilence. He said the very first thing that is coming is deception. It's deception. And dear friend, when we see the signs of deception in our world, that is the number one sign of the coming again of Jesus Christ. Have you ever seen so much deceit in your life? Amen. Lying, deceit, fraud, fakes, pseudo-religions, I mean false media, propaganda, duplicity. Dear friend, if you find truth today, you're going to have to dig for it with a pick and a shovel because it lies under a cloak of deceit. Somebody say amen. And so the number one sign is deception. Verse number five, read it with me. Matthew 24, verse number five. For many shall come, call, come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Jesus said that there would arise false teachers. There would arise false preachers, false doctrine, pseudo-religion, even people coming and claiming claiming to be Jesus Christ himself. This is not just physical deception. If I deceive you in business and make money, that's physical deception. But if I deceive you in church or in religion, that's spiritual. And dear friend, there is going out in this world not just physical deception, but spiritual deception on a scale that has never been. You can't answer your phone for that on the other end there's a fraud, there's a scam, there's a phishing scheme, P-H-I-S-H-I. Who ever heard of phishing until now? Amen. And so he says that deceit is the number one thing. Dear friend, let me just stop right there and say you better get in this book because there is nothing deceitful, there is nothing fake, there is no mistruths, misunderstandings in the word of God. It is the only absolute truth you have. What are you digesting today? Are you digesting the lies of the world or the truth of the word of God? Verse number six, he says this. He begins with a verse of scripture that we're all familiar with. The Bible says in verse number six, how many times have we quoted it? And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. But watch this next phrase. We're going to focus on the next phrase a little bit. It can't all be bad. See that you be not troubled. 
For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Let's break that verse down. So he says here in verse number 6 that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Have you ever seen a time in your life when it's everybody against everybody? I mean, we've got wars in the Middle East. The fires of war are burning in Gaza. The fires of war are burning in Ukraine. The fires of war are burning in the Sudan. Diplomacy and peacemaking across the world are absolutely failing. I have never seen a time in my life among the 190-some countries in the world where most of the world leaders are talking about World War III. That used to, we used to keep that word so hush-hush because we didn't want to discuss it. We didn't want to think about it. We didn't want to talk about it. We didn't want to bring it to our lips because it could bring it to our lips and talking about it can bring it to fruition. And dear friend, it is on the lips of most of the world leaders today. Wars and rumors of wars. NATO is basically at war with Russia. The diplomatic relationships between the United States and China are at an all-time low. The Philippines, we're at an argument over the Philippine waters. The South China Sea with Taiwan. On and on the list goes. There's a wider war in the Middle East than just Gaza. Pakistan and Iran are practically at war. The border with India and China are, is being disputed. There's war in Myanmar. Myanmar and Ethiopia, and I've already mentioned the Sudan. Dear friend, if that's not a fulfillment of Matthew 24, I don't know what is. Dear friend, but I want you to look at this before we move on with this dark, foreboding message. Jesus said, see that these things don't trouble you. You say, well, preacher, you've already troubled me. I just gave you the truth. I came to church to hear a message that would soothe my heart. Well, you need, you need the truth from the Word of God too. Do these things trouble you? Jesus said, see that you be not troubled. He didn't say, now watch this. Jesus did not say, see that you overlook these things. He didn't say that. He didn't say, see that you ignore these things. He didn't say that. He didn't say, see that you disregard these things. He said, see that they don't trouble you. How many of you are troubled this morning? The election coming up is a troubled election. Somebody say amen. amen. Our country's a troubled country. There's trouble in the world. There's trouble in the economy. There's, there's trouble on every hand. There's trouble in society. Hey, but Jesus is saying this. Give some attention that you don't allow these things to stress you out. For look at the next phrase here in verse number 6, I believe it was. For these things must come to pass. These things must come to pass. Can I just say this? Earth is not evolving into a utopia. We are not going to have world peace. It doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter which political party's in power. It doesn't matter what the UN does. It doesn't matter what a global nations, alliance of nations does. These things Jesus said must come to pass. But your job 
is not to change the world. Your job is not to bring in a utopia. Your job is not to let the world become a better place so we can all drink a Coca-Cola and sit down together. Your job is to guard your heart that you don't be troubled about these things. You know what, Christian? Here's the truth. I think most of us are troubled over these things. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. That means careful, careful, full of care, full of despair, full of anxiety. Don't be full of anxiety over anything. Be careful for nothing. But watch this. How do I handle all the things that are going on, preacher? How do I handle that? <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. But in everything, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, but in everything by prayer... And supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. You have a troubled heart? Won't you pray? You have a troubled heart? Won't you get before the Lord and say, Lord, I've got anxiety. I've got stress. This bothers me. I, I, don't, know, I don't know where our future is. I don't know where our nation's going. I don't know. I don't have the answer. Well, he does. And you say, preacher, I don't like messages like this. Well, it's an indication there's something wrong in your prayer life. Because we need the Word of God. But our prayer life is what takes the trouble away. It's to know that we have a Savior. Now listen to this. When our prayer life is right, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The next verse says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. No matter what is going on here, in this world, You can have the peace of Jesus Christ dwelling in your heart and in your life. Now, i got to move on. Earth is on a one-way track to social upheaval, moral breakdown, financial ruin, political madness, Military intervention more than ever before. Watch the next statement in that same verse. But the end is not yet. What a statement from the lips of our Lord. To see all these military things, all these social things, all the upheaval in our, in our nation, in our world, in our social things. But Jesus said, but the end is not yet. Can I just paraphrase that in the Aramaic and you might say that Jesus just said when you start seeing these things you ain't seen nothing yet. Amen preacher. We're now seeing and experiencing the build up to World War III. Conflict is on the, on the horizon. Human beings now have weapons that can not only destroy other human beings, but can destroy the resources that human beings depend upon and therefore destroy the whole world. That's exactly where we are and that's exactly where Jesus said we must be. It is imperative that this world comes to that. That's a whole other message in itself. 
And so the Bible says, look at verse number 7 of Matthew 24. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. These things that we're experiencing now, Jesus said that nation shall rise against nation. If you write in your Bible, write over the word nations, write the word ethnos. It is where we get our English word ethnic. That ethnic, basically what that is saying is that ethnic groups would rise against ethnic groups. Have you ever seen such a time when color is against color? That shouldn't be. People are people. Amen. The Bible says that God hath made of one blood every nation on the face of planet earth. We're all people. I don't care if you're red, yellow, black, or white. Amen. Jesus loves everybody. I have never seen a time when ethnic group has risen so much against ethnic group. And then he said it seemed like a repetitiveness until you look it up in the Greek that, that ethnos would rise against ethnos and kingdom against kingdom. That word is basilla, basilla against basilla. That is nation against nation. Have you ever seen nations that cannot guard their borders? They're fighting over their borders. They're fighting over natural resources. They're fighting over the business. The reason there's going to be trouble with Taiwan is because of computer chips. We could go to, we could go to war with China because of a computer chip that's no bigger than the end of that pen right there. We're talking about nuclear war over something so small. Nation against nation, bacilla against bacilla. But watch what Jesus said, verse number 8. He said, and I want you to underline this in your Bible, but all of these are the beginnings of sorrows. The beginnings of sorrows. You say, Pastor, where does the beginning of sorrows begin? I think it's already begun. You say, but preacher, we're in the age of grace and Jesus has died and Jesus gives us the whole book of Romans to cheer us up and he gives us the book of John to show us the way of salvation and he gives us the book of Acts to show us the power of God. Yeah, but he gives us Matthew 24 in the book of Revelation to show us that our hopes and dreams should not be planted on planet earth. <laughs> so... The things that we're going to see are going to intensify, magnify, and amplify until the rapture of the church. I don't know about you, I'm looking for the Lord. I'm not looking for Putin. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm not looking for Kim Jong-un. Amen. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. Amen. The things that we're experiencing now are going to keep coming on in intensity until Jesus Christ comes again. Let me tell you something. When he comes again, the people of God are going to get out of here. Praise God. I'll leave old planet Earth behind and I'll be like old brother Mays Jackson. Lord, let me turn around one more time on my flight out of here and kick the devil one more time. Amen. What a blessing to get out of here in the rapture. God's people are going to be taken away. Praise God. This is called the harpazo in 1 Thessalonians. It's called the catching away. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 15, we find that we're going to be caught up 
together to, to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Bye-bye planet earth. Bye-bye trouble. Bye-bye conflict. Bye-bye war. Bye-bye death. Bye-bye pain. Hey, I say praise God. Jesus is coming. I say glory to God. The beginnings of sorrows things that we're going, that we're experiencing now. But now, here's where I want to turn the message, and, and we're going to turn it another, about 180 degrees. Jesus said that during this time, right before the rapture of the church, during the rapture of the church, and just post-rapture of the church, that there would be great tribulation. Remember our verse? And then shall be great tribulation such as was not from the beginning of time nor ever shall be again. Wow. Now think about that. If you're saved 10 million years from now, you're going to look back and say, wow, nothing like that has ever happened in the last 10 million years nor ever it will again. That's mind-boggling. So let's look at some things that has happened in the past and see if those things that happened in the past that like will never happen again, let's look at those things and see if they're going to happen in intensity. Let me show you something from the Word of God. I, had to, I put the scripture up here. The Bible says in Genesis 10.25, and unto Eber were born two sons, the name of, the, of one was Peleg. You'll see that's in red. For in his days the earth was divided. Now it didn't say the earth was separated. It didn't say society was separated. It said in the days of Peleg the earth was divided. Now I want to show you something about planet earth. If you take planet earth and put all the continents back together, they fit together like on the screen on the left. On your left, that is all the continents fitting back together. Science calls that the Pangea. The Pangea. So we know for an absolute fact that like puzzle pieces, you can take the earth and squeeze them back together and you have the Pangea. Well, when did they separate into South America and America and Europe and Asia and Australia and Antarctica and the Arctic? When did they separate? Well, science tells us that there was a thing called continental drift where the continents gradually started separating an inch or two a year and over a billion years, we get what is depicted on the right. North America, South America, Africa, Europe, we get those continents. But the Bible says that in the days of Peleg, the earth was divided. Can you imagine this? You know what I believe? I don't believe science. I believe the Bible. I believe that in the days of Peleg, the Pangea split up. Can you imagine an earthquake big enough, quick enough, with enough intensity to split the earth in just maybe one lifetime, maybe one day, maybe one week, but at least in one lifetime, the earth split? There's a point here. By the way, science goes down, and I love this point. Some of you thinking people will get it. Science goes down to Antarctica at the bottom of the... And they go, you know what? Down here in Antarctica, we have uh, a tropical plants that are flash frozen in time. How did that happen? 
I mean, how did, how did a, a tropical plant that could only grow in tropical uh, humidity, how did that happen? Let me tell you how it happened. It happened in the days of Peleg. And that was part of the Pangea, and all of a sudden it's no longer part of the Pangea. It's part of, South, it's part of Antarctica, and it flash freezes. Amen, preacher. So Jesus said this. What are we looking at that far? By the way, Peleg means earthquake. How'd you like to name your son Earthquake? Hey, Mom, go get Earthquake up. It's time for school. I mean, this thing was so big, so tremendous, such an upheaval that men even named their children after the earthquake. Wow. What's the point, preacher? Point number one there. Jesus said there's nothing in the past that's happened likes what's going to happen in the future. You say, preacher, what could be bigger than an earthquake that separated the continents? Could anything be bigger? Let me read Revelation chapter 16, verse 18. The Bible says, and there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Jesus said in the future from the Olivet Discourse, when the disciples asked him the threefold question, Jesus said there's coming something bigger than the earthquake that happened in the days of Peleg. Wow. Matter of fact, the Bible says in some obscure passages that all the mountains, the, the valleys will be raised, all the mountains will be lowered, and the cities will be wiped out. That's how big it's coming. You say, preacher, that's scary. Oh, remember, let not your heart be troubled. See that these things don't trouble you. How do I do that, preacher? You get in your prayer closet. You talk to the Lord. You have a relationship with him who can split the world. Listen, if you have a right relationship with him who cl that created the world and him who can split the world, you don't care what happens to the world. You've got an eternal relationship. Amen. Amen. The problem with us is we develop all these earthly relationships and neglect our heavenly relationship. Amen. Let's move on. That's another message in its time. Now, I've got to hurry. I think of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. Now, let's think about what went on during the Tower of Babel, everybody was getting together. I mean, we're going to create. This was the, listen, you think the UN and global peace and all this is new, dear friend, it's not new. They tried to do it in Genesis. Somebody say amen. amen. And they all got together and they said, we're going to get together and we're going to build a tower and we're going to have meetings and we're going to have committees and we're going to have a tower that reaches up to heaven. We're going to have our own ecumenical movement. We're going to have the first model of the United Nations. We're going to have a global convergence. But God was sitting in heaven and he said, I will not have that. I'm going to send confusion. And God sent confusion. Confusion, now listen, that is not devil sent, it was God sent. God confused man because man's capabilities had gotten too far advanced. Let that sink in. 
I'm not even going to begin to start preaching on artificial intelligence there. God stepped in because man got too advanced and sent confusion to their languages. No one could understand the other. There was mass bewilderment. The whole society of that day was disoriented, stupefied in shock. But Jesus said what is coming is going to be worse than that. Can I tell you it's just about here? Have you ever seen so much confusion in society? We don't know if we're a man or a woman. That, if that's not the ultimate in confusion, I don't know what is. I've got three kids, and what I can tell you is, when it, well, all three of them were born, I knew what they were. And I raised them to not be confused about what they were. Amen. Confusion. Confusion. The Lord didn't even have to confound our languages to confuse us. Amen. Confusion. We don't know if we're an animal or a person. We don't know if we need to use a potty or a litter box. Amen, preacher. Am I heterosexual? Am I homosexual? Am I bisexual? <laughs> Confusion. Jesus said there was confusion that was absolutely coming. Then there was the time of Noah. Well, there's some things about Noah that I don't understand. Listen to this. I don't have time to go in depth, but the Bible says in Genesis 6-5 that God saw the wickedness of man. In Genesis 6-6, the Bible says it grieved God at his heart for the sin of man. In Genesis 6-7, God said, I'm going to destroy man from the face of the earth. But in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 8, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I'm glad in the midst of all this trouble and stress and anxiety and wars and all the things in our world that we can have some grace. Amen. I mean, no Noah found grace. The world was absolutely as wicked and corrupt as it could be. And God's judgment was coming. But in the midst of the world, in the midst of God's judgment, oh, Noah found some grace. Amen. I'm glad for that. I'm glad for grace this morning. You know what I'm looking for today? I'm looking for the grace of God. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking for the rapture of the church. The days of Noah. Can you imagine the days of Noah? Why are you giving us this example? Because Jesus said, there's coming a time that's going to make that look sick. Wow. You say, what could be worse, preacher, than a flood that destroys the whole world? And didn't God say that he would never destroy the world again with water? And he put a rainbow in the sky saying that he never would. What could be worse than Noah's flood? Well, let me give it to you like this. This is just my interpretation. Throw it in a trash can if you want to. In the days of Noah, scholars estimate that there was probably around a billion people alive on planet Earth. Somewhere, some say 800,000, some say as many as a million, and some say as many as a billion. I don't know, go figure. But it's probably no more than one billion people. 
Today, we have 9 billion headed toward 10 billion people on the top side of planet Earth. So any kind of disruption to that, any kind of cataclysmic event to that, would kill a lot more people than in the days of Noah, simply because of population. So as we read the book of Revelation, we find that one-third of the earth will be destroyed by pestilence. That is, at today's estimation, there is coming a pestilence that will destroy three billion people. More, two billion more than in the days of Noah. I say, my goodness, human tragedy human suffering, the heartache. My goodness, can you imagine? By the way, there's a pandemic that's coming that's going to make COVID look like a mild cold. Yes, sir, preacher. How much panic is going to be propagated? The Bible says that men's hearts are going to fail for fear. Now let's keep looking in the past because what's going to happen, there's something going to happen that's worse than what's happened in the past. Let's look at Sodom and Gomorrah. In the past, we find that God rained down fire and brimstone and completely annihilated the inhabitants of the cities. And Peter tells us this, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with an overflow and making them an example to those that should afterward live ungodly. Can I just tell you, as you look at the screen, that God set an example with Sodom and Gomorrah. He made an example out of those people so that for the rest of the time when his word would go out, preached in every country, on every airwave, every television station, whispered on the words of people, and in a future of time, everybody could look at this book and say, wow, that's what happens to the ungodly. He did that for an exemplification, yet Jesus said that nothing that has happened in the past compares with what is coming. In the past, fire fell from heaven. In the past, brimstone fell out of the skies. The Bible says that Abraham looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and behold, there was a smoke of the country went up like the smoke of a furnace. If you believe the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you believe there is coming a burning somewhere down the road that is worse than the fire and the brimstone of Sodom and Gomorrah. You say, preacher, is that going to be nuclear war or something falling from heaven? I believe it's going to be both. Listen to the scripture as it says this in Revelation chapter 8, verse number 7. And the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of the trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. I believe that's just fire from heaven. I believe that's meteors or, or, or some type of celestial event that comes down the earth. But Zechariah also tells us this. And he says in verse, 14, uh, verse 12 of chapter 14, And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Here's what's going to happen. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet and their eyes shall consume away in their holes or in their sockets, and their tongue shall be consumed to the roof of their mouth. If that isn't a, a description of nuclear warfare, I don't know what is. 
You say, preacher, is nuclear warfare coming to planet Earth? I believe the Bible teaches it is. You say, preacher, is it going to be intercontinental ballistic missiles or is it going to be just strategic or tactical? I don't know. If it's just tactical, it'll be limited to the Middle East or just to skirmishes somewhere. If it's strategic, it'll go out and fall on all the nations. I don't know, but I know this, it's coming. You say, preacher, that's troublesome. Well, remember, Jesus said, see that these things don't trouble you. It's up to you to get in your prayer closet It's up to you to see them coming. It's up to you to make preparation. It's up to you to be right with God. It's up to you to have a heart for Jesus Christ. It's up to you to have a heart for the Bible and be faithful to church and love the Lord and be ready for these things. Amen, preacher. That'll preach. Then lastly, I'll leave you with this. As we look at the past history of the Bible and the Chronicles of Man, in the Old Testament, there was a man. You say, preacher, we've looked at cataclysmic events and we've looked at chaos and we've looked at fire and earthquakes. Yeah, but there's coming a man that's going to make all that look bad. His name is the Antichrist. You see, in the past, there was a man who rose up named Nebuchadnezzar. He was proud. He was arrogant. He thought he was a god. Everybody had to bow down to him. He put the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. He put Daniel in the lion's den. He put, a pl- he put a, an image of himself out on the plains of Dura, and he said, if you don't worship this image, I'll kill you. I don't like that guy, do you? His name was Nebuchadnezzar. But there's a man coming in the future that'll make Nebuchadnezzar look like a choir boy. Amen. His name is this. He's called in the Bible many names. Number one, he's called the beast. Number two, he's called the son of perdition. Number three, he's called the wicked one. Four, Apollyon. Five, Abaddon. Six, the lawless one. Seven, the king with a fierce countenance. Eight, he's called the Antichrist. He'll make Hitler, Mussolini, Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin look like choir boys. That's what's coming. The Bible says that he'll oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or worship. Can I just say this as I close? There's nothing worse than a man thinking too highly of himself. Proud, arrogant, egotistical, thinking that he's God, he's perfect, he's always right. That's the kind of man that's coming on the face of planet Earth before Jesus comes. He'll take over through political dogma, Artificial intelligence, he will use it, amen. He'll take over the global economy, worldwide subjection. He'll take over through great oration. And when that man of sin steps on the scene, and I will not retract the statement I'm about to make, that's when God starts raising hell. And I'm going to preach a message one of these days. It's, It's down there. I'll try to be good for a little while before I preach it. When God raises hell. I'll preach it. When that man steps on the scene, God gets angry. You know what I think? I think that man is alive today. 
He's just not stepped onto the political scene yet. He's not stepped into power. But I, I believe with all my heart. And when he steps on the scene, there's going to be earthquakes like never was since the days of Peleg. There's going to be fire and brimstone like, like never was since the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. There's going to be peace taken from the earth, nation against nation, ethnic group against ethnic group. All these things that we've been preaching are going to happen. Now let's read Matthew 24, verses 29 through 31, and I'll, I'll be through preaching. Thank you for your attention so much. Matthew 24, and verse 29 through 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall... The sun be darkened. The moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall down from heaven. The powers of heaven shall be shaken. <laughs> I like this one. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great, great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather his elect from the four winds and from the one end of heaven to the other. <laughs> now look this way, I'm through preaching. I just gave you five things that are going to be worse in the future than has ever been in the past or that ever will be in eternity. And here's a question I want to ask you. Do you want to follow the devil, the antichrist, the deceit, the false religion? Do you want to follow the society the way it's going? Do you want to follow the political winds? Do you want to follow the economy? Do you want to fall into 666, the mark of the beast, and wind up in the charred wall of a burning hell? Or do you want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know about you. But I made my decision over 50 years ago to follow Jesus Christ. The best decision I ever made in my life. Oh, he is the God of peace. And if I'll get on my knees and pray, he'll give me the peace of God. I don't care what's going on in this world. I can have the peace of God. You've got a choice this morning, lost person. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior... Today's the day of salvation. You better get saved today. Do you really know Jesus or have you been playing a little religious thing? You've just been carrying a Bible. You've been, you, you know, it's just what you do. It's what mom and dad does. It's what your friends do. I've been carrying a Bible and, and I've been saying the right things, saying I'm a Christian, but I've never really been saved. I've never really gotten on my knees and said, Jesus, 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 I need to be saved. I want to ask you right now, dear friend, you better run to Jesus right now. Brother Brian, would you step up here with the Bible? God's dealing with somebody. I want you to come take Brother Brian by the hand and say, Preacher, I need Jesus. I need you right now. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Right now. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Preacher, I need Jesus. Now more than ever, I need Jesus. In all of eternity, I need Jesus. Amen. Anybody else want to come? We wait. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's interested. Just praying. Anybody else? What about you, friend? There's coming a day when God's going to sew it all up. Jesus is going to take full control. 
And you say, preacher, what a day that's going to be. It is going to be for us, but the Bible says that this earth is going to mourn and weep. Would you come? Brian, would you pray with them right there, please? Anybody else? We've got others that will help bring you to Christ if you need to be saved. Please come to Jesus before it's everlasting too late. He has the way of salvation. He has the earth in His hands. He has heaven in His hands. He has eternity in His authority. Nobody else does but Jesus. You better run to Jesus. You better get to Jesus. You better get to the Word of God, dear friend. Anybody else? Then Christian, let me ask you this. The Bible says that seeing then that all these things shall be burned up, what manner of persons ought you to be? Christian, you look at your Christian life right now. By your staying in your seat, you're saying, I know I'm saved, preacher. That's fine. But look at your Christian life right now. Is Jesus the priority of your life? This earth is going to pass away. The elements thereof are going to melt with a fervent heat. What have you done for the Lord? Are you faithful to the house of God? Are you faithful to live a Christian life? Are you faithful to pray? If I talk to you tomorrow after you watch the morning news and see all these things, would you have the peace of God in your heart? Or would you be fussing about the present administration like I do sometimes? Oh, God, help us to determine right now, right now, I'm going to live for God. This, is, this earth is going to pass away. It's going to happen soon. I need to live for God, not tomorrow. I need to do it today. I need to be dedicated today, consecrated today, faithful today. Now I'm going to ask you a question. If that's your prayer, would you lift your hand up? Lord, I want to be, amen, God bless you. Lord, I want to be, hold them up, hold them, hold them up. Make them determined today. Lord, I want to be more faithful today, true today. I, want to, I just want that to be me, amen. I'll raise both hands, praise God. All right. Thank you. God's done a work this morning. I don't know what he did, but I just did what I was supposed to do, and I appreciate your attention. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. You can look this way before we do. Let me just say this. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God. I've got somebody I can look to beside President Biden. Glory. I've got somebody I can go to besides my wife. Glory. <laughs> I've got somebody that loves me. Somebody that'll keep me. Somebody that saved me. Somebody that'll keep me when this earth is melting away. I'll be safe in the arms of Jesus. I say glory to God. I say, Lord, let's pray. I'm going to pray. Lord, I pray now that you'd help me, first of all, as the pastor of this church, to be more dedicated, to be more faithful, to put you more of a priority in my life. I pray, Lord 
God, you'd fill me with the Spirit of God. We realize that time is soon passing. We realize our life is soon moving away. We realize that we're moving from this stage of life into eternity. And Lord, I pray you'd help me, first of all, to get my heart right, my heart clean, my sins under the blood, to get the power of God on me so that my friends and my family can see the witness of God and go to heaven with me. Lord, I pray for this church. Lord, we need a moving. We've come through a long winter and Lord, it's been two or three years since we've suffered that pandemic and people have gotten cold and apathetic and Lord, I pray you just get rid of that spirit. If you don't get rid of it in the world, get rid of it in our church. Amen. Help us to get back together and love you and love each other. Lord, help us to to just put it all on the altar. Our sins, our faults, our shortcomings, our failures. God, I pray that you'd pour your spirit out on this church and make us a mighty church for the word of God in this county. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. I say glory to God, you're dismissed.